After we interact with Scripture, we'll give you an opportunity to select a favorite song that ties in with that which would be an encouragement to you. So some questions. Are God, Christ alone, sufficient for godly, contented living? Are God, Christ alone, sufficient for godly, contented living? You can respond to that. Yes. Yes. You would say yes. Should be. You need the body of Christ. Okay. <clears throat> We do need the body of Christ. Yes. Christ, the body of Christ is part of Christ, but that distinction was not made here. So, yes, we do need the body of Christ. Any other response? Pardon? That's the exception. God designed us to need people. You know, that's his design, and some people choose to live as hermits. He'd learn to be content because he could do all things, and that seemed to time with a you know, physical circumstance that he was in. How about the second one? What does our lifestyle, buying habits, time use, or time use habits show? And again, that one's more of a thought question. Does it show that God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and if you want to add the body of Christ in there, is sufficient? You know, just thinking about life. Last week we began to look at the book of Job, and I realize you can't look at the book of Job totally in two weeks, but we are doing that just to give a general overview. And we find that Job was a righteous man. He was an upright man. He didn't do evil and so on. He was a wealthy man, owning sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys and a great number of servants. We know that the devil and God had some interaction and God basically said, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God initiated what happened to Job. And God gave the freedom to Satan to have Job lose all his wealth and his animals. I'm sorry, his wealth, his animals, along with his sons. And then his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? And Satan again came back to God and God again said, have you considered my my servant Job? And we know that. Satan said, well, if you take away his physical health, he'll curse God. He'll curse you. We know that Job lost his physical health. He did not curse God. 
And we find that Job's friends came along, three of them, they set seven days with him. They did well. Most of us probably would not set seven days with someone and just be silent. But they set seven days and then things began to change because they were trying to figure out why Job was going through what he was experiencing. And they gave him all kinds of reasons. You know, Job, you surely did something, you know, and so on. And uh, Job gets a little antsy along the way and he says, you know, Lord, I'd like to have an audience with you. And then we find towards the end of the book that Job gives his monologue. And there's a younger man, a fourth younger man, that also gives a fairly lengthy speech. And we touched briefly on chapter 38 last week. Chapter 38 and verse 1, we won't read the entire chapter. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, I will question you, and you shall answer me. So here's a man who has lost his wealth, he's lost his family, and he's lost his health, and he wants an audience with God. And the Lord says, Job, I'm going to give you a quiz, I'm going to give you a test. For chapters 38 and 39, he just poses question after question. Look at chapter 39 and verse 1. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Job surely would have to say no. Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Again, he would have to say no. Do you count the months till they bear? Again, Job would have to say no. Do you know the time they give their birth? And again, Job would have to say no. And Job didn't do too well. You come to the end of chapter 39, look at chapter 40 in verse 1. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let the one who accuses God answer him. Now Job has lost his wealth, he's lost his children, and he has lost his health. And God, or the Lord says, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Job answered in verse 3, the Lord, I am unworthy, how can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth, I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I have no more to say. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man, I will question you and you shall answer me. Now here's a guy who's lost his wealth, he's lost his health, he's lost his children, and the Lord is pretty tough on him. Job, I'm going to question you. You wanted an audience? You get the audience. Here's my questions. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's that you can voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the ground. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Now God is pretty strong with Job. A man who lost his wealth, who lost his children, and lost his health. So Job, if you have an arm like I do, you can thunder like I can, 
Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor, clothe yourself with honor, unleash your fury, and so on. And here's a guy who's going through suffering. I'm not sure this is a real dare, but suppose you're visiting someone in the hospital and they say, why all this suffering? And you say, uh, I'm going to read Job 38 through 41 to you. You say, that seems harsh. Is the Lord being harsh? It seems like the Lord is doing something to Job. Look at chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I do not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen, and now I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job has had a direct encounter with God, and he lost. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Lord, I wanted answers. I repent, basically saying I don't need any answers. I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And then we find that the Lord had Job pray for his friends. And then the Lord blessed him and led or made him to prosper again. We know he had more children, he had more sheep, he had more camels, he had yoke of oxen, and he had donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. Again, God blessed him. And verse 16 says, After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died old and full of years. The text never says that Job got an answer as to what happened. We get through difficulty as humans, and we like answers. And we like to give answers. Lord, why did I lose my wealth? Lord, why did my child die? No, why did my ten children die on the same day? Lord, I can't even stand. I can't sit. I can't lie. I can't do anything without hurting because I have sores over my body. Why? What's going on, Lord? I'd like to talk to you. The Lord says, well, here's my audience. Job gets to the end and says, I repent. Some comments on Job. The Lord did not explain or defend himself. Oh, Job, you got a question. i got to answer you. He said, Job, I'm going to question you. He showed his greatness. He revealed himself. And he stopped. The man who had little understanding now has less about what happened and why. 
Lord, I want to talk to you. And by the time he gets done talking to the Lord, he says, Lord, I, I repent. See, Job received no answers. The Lord offered himself in his majestic glory and character. What did the Lord offer Job? Himself. The rich man who came to Jesus, when you get into the Gospels, said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. What's he offering the rich man? Christ is offering himself. Job's friends focused on explanations. The Lord focused on faith and his character, who he was and his being. Seems like the Lord is slowly in chapters 39, 40, or 38, 39, 40, and 41, bringing Job to the point of saying, God is enough. I don't need an answer. I don't need an explanation. I don't need a reason. God is far beyond me. I will trust him. Do you ever stop to consider that one of the primary things that children need to learn is submission to parents? So that when a parent speaks... They don't need all the explanation. They just say, yes, mom, yes, dad. And as they move into the teen years, I think we need to teach them to reason and give some reasons and so on. Why do they need to learn that when they're young? So that they learn submission to God. Without God giving an explanation. The Lord expected Job to see him as sufficient. Not answers or explanation. Contentment and satisfaction were to be found in the Lord alone. So we get to chapter 42. Did Job get any answers? No. Did he know why? No. Did he get any reasons for what was going on? No. He repented and basically said, Lord, I've seen you now. You're enough. The Lord desired for Job to trust him. Not trust answers or explanations. Explanations. Job seems to repent of his demand for answers. See, when we demand answers and explanations... We trust the answer and explanation rather than the Lord. If God answered Job, then Job would have trusted an explanation, not the Lord. He would have remained in the driver's seat. How many times do we humans go through life... Lord, why? What's going on in my life? Give me some explanation. And the Lord says, I did. I sent Christ. You have me. Well, that's not an answer. Yes, it is. Trust me. 
the bottom line in Job. That should be capitalized. The Lord's answer was himself. Today, God, Christ alone are sufficient. And when I say God and Christ alone are sufficient, I understand that the Spirit of God lives within us and that in Christ, the body of Christ is also involved. God and Christ are sufficient. You say, but I need an explanation. Why do you need an explanation? Because we want to be in the driver's seat? Or are we willing to trust God and let him drive? We humans are very good being back seat drivers. The Lord says, you just sit in the back seat, and if you can't sit in the back seat, I'll put you in the trunk so you can't see anything. And that's basically what he did to Job. He put Job in a trunk and said, I'm not going to answer you. And Job says, I repent. He says, okay, now you can sit in the front with me. So there's no more questions from Job. What's going on here, Lord? I don't know. I just trust God. You say, but I have to have answers. Why? Is not God, Christ, the Spirit of God, the body of Christ sufficient? Well, I just function better with answers. Then God and Christ are not enough. Let's think about some applications from Job as it relates to our life. Let's make the Lord and Christ, and I realize I didn't list the Holy Spirit or the body of Christ, but the Lord and Christ central in responding to questions of our teens and unbelievers. Be slow to offer explanations and answers. Lift up the Lord. Don't defend. I'm not saying you shouldn't respond to any questions. But if we're not careful, people will want an answer before they'll trust. You can't trust while demanding an answer before you'll trust. Jesus says in John chapter 3 that he is lifted up. He'll draw men to him. I think those who ask questions are looking for a genuine faith. And parents and older saints and so on that trust God. The people in Hebrews chapter 11 didn't have any answers. They didn't get what they were promised. They just obeyed. I think we must communicate to those who ask questions that as creatures We cannot understand the Creator. God's quiz of Job makes it very clear. Job cannot answer the Lord's questions. We can't understand the Creator. 
Well, you say he reveals some of himself. Yes, he does. But we can't understand his ways and why he does what he does, when he does it, and so on. And God does respond in some ways. But basically, he reveals himself. Christ came to reveal the Father. Christ was God incarnate. And you will find that Christ continually asks people to follow him. He's revealing who he is. Follow me. To try to explain God too much is not good. We can share what scripture says, but we probably need to stop at that. So you think about Paul, he has his physical thorn in the flesh, if it was a physical form, but some thorn in the flesh, and he prayed God to the Lord three times to remove it, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, and Paul said, but God, why do I have to go through this? No, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient, so what did Paul do? I will glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities and insults and hardships and so on. But God, Paul didn't but God, he rejoiced. The core issue is not our teens or unbelievers needing explanations. We need to ask them a simple question. Are you willing to trust the Creator God? Well, I'm not going to trust until I get an answer. Then you'll probably never trust. Because you're demanding something that God does not give. Many times, unbelievers want answers before they'll come to God. Have you considered that they already chose to walk away from God? Now they're trying to blame God for their walking away. We won't spend time there tonight, but in Romans 1, it clearly states that God has revealed himself through creation. And then in verse 21, it says, but they chose not to acknowledge God and to thank God as God. So this unbeliever comes to you with some strong questions. You've got to prove to me creation. You've got to prove to me there's a God. And you say to them, I can't prove it. Because it's an issue of faith. Hebrew says that. But may I ask you, do you know why you want proof of God? You're going to tell me why I want proof of God. Yes, I'm going to tell you. Because Romans 1 says that God has already revealed himself in creation. You chose to reject what he has revealed. You've chosen to walk away from him. And you've not been thankful to him. So you made a choice to walk away from God. Now you're accusing God. You said that's pretty strong terminology. Well, take them to Romans 1 and let them read 21 through 25 themselves. We cannot explain the Lord to someone who has rejected him. Unbelievers don't need more explanations. They need to see where they are and why they are 
where they are. You say, well, I should try to answer their questions. Where does scripture tell us to answer questions of unbelievers? When you say, Peter says we're supposed to be ready to give an answer. But read the context. Be ready to give an answer when they ask of the reason for the hope that you have. It's not answering all their questions. It's answering when they ask you, they see your godly life. Why do you live the way you do? Tell me about your hope. Why do you have this hope? It's not trying to defend God or explain God. It's for the hope that they have. So it's like a son or daughter coming to mom and dad and saying, Mom and dad, I got some questions for you. And son or daughter says, Dad, first question is for you. I notice when you drive the car that when you're in a 55-mile-an-hour zone, you go to 55. And when we come into West Nanticoke, you drop down to 35. Why do you do that? And then I notice when you get in the cross valley, you go back up to 55. And then when you get in the interstate, you go to 65, but when you see a 55 mile an hour zone, you, come, you slow down to 55. Why do you do that, Dad? Good question. Son, daughter, I do that because Scripture tells me I'm to obey those in authority over me. And the government is an authority over me, and if I can't obey the government, I won't be able to obey God in other areas. So the reason I slow down is because I live under authority. Live under God's authority. And under God is civil government. And son or daughter says, uh, I believe I want to follow your God. See, that's a totally different question than a son or daughter with some defiance saying, prove to me there's a God and I might follow you or follow him. Totally different. The one springs from a person walking with God. The other springs because there's some defiance for whatever the reason. A daughter says to mom, mom, I noticed that... uh, You seem to have a pattern of submitting to dad. You follow dad's leadership. You give responses when he asks, but you let decisions, final decisions up to him and so on. Why do you do that? Because I live under God's authority. And God's authority says that I'm to be concerned about a gentle and quiet spirit and responding to your father. And how he responds is up to him. Mom, I think I might want your God. So it's different than a defiant, asking out of a defiant spirit. You say, but I don't like some of the things that God tells me to do. God never asks us to like him. (laughs) He asks us to trust him and demonstrate that with response. 
Now we struggle in life. But as we are seeking to be humble before God. So someone says to Job, you lost your ten children, you lost your wealth, you lost your health. What's going on? Tell me about your God. And Job says, I can't tell you a lot about him. He gave me a quiz and I just didn't have any answers. I'm just trusting him. You trust a God that you can't explain? Yeah, he's far beyond me. I can't even begin to explain him. But he knows much better than I, obviously. He created this whole universe. And he takes care of everything. I think I'll trust him because I don't do a very good job. We cannot point people to Christ unless we begin with Creator God. No need for Christ if there's no Creator God. No Creator God means no sin, no death. Thus, no need for Christ. People will come with questions. And our answer needs to be God and Christ. You say, but they're not satisfied with that. In weeks to come, we'll look at Romans 1. Just merely say, the reason you're so upset at God is because you're not willing to acknowledge him as creator and to give thanks to him. Questions or comments? Right, yes. Yes. And he says that not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. A pretty strong statement, isn't it? Someone comes up to you after you have buried your third child. And they say, I don't understand you. You just seem pretty content in life. I have God. I have Christ. That's all? Yes, that's much more than in any explanation that I could have. That's not wrong to discuss questions and so on. But we need to be careful how we respond. Close with an example. Renella is a guy I've known probably for 20 years now. And I know his background, a religious background. He uh, <clears throat> generally does not want to talk about God. He's seen enough Christians, as he would say. He doesn't want to talk about God because he's seen enough Christians. And I was talking to him one day, and I thought, you know, in good conscience, I can't leave here without bringing up the issue of God. I've known him. I've related to him. I've cared for him in some difficulties. And I said, I'd like to talk to you about God. He gets a grin in his face and more or less said, okay. He said, I'm willing to listen to you. And then he went on to say, why? 
because I've watched your life and you're not like some other Christians I know. I know you're not perfect, but you're not like many I know. And secondly, you show me care and concern over the years that I've known you. So listen, we talked for about an hour and a half about God and things about God and creation and pain and suffering and so on. We got to the end of the conversation. He says, is this what you're trying to tell me? (laughs) That I can't come to God with my good things that I've done. I've got to come to God just as I am. I said, yeah. See, that's different than him being defiant and saying, prove to me there's a God and so on. See, he was asking basically a reason of the hope that I had. He had observed my life, observed that I cared for him, and then wanted some answers. Let's sing together a song that's an encouragement to you, a favorite song that you would like to sing.